Hi everybody, this is episode 22 of the Clown Chat Podcast, and boy do we have an exciting one today. Oh, this is a happy, happy day. Um, it's a Friday for one, and we've got some unbelievably great news that dropped earlier today, and, and we're going to be discussing that. Um, and we had a great result to the game last night. That's a big one too, so just uh, an exciting... I'd say 24 hours or so here, and and we're just uh, we're just looking forward to, to getting into all that. Um, so, um, I guess let's let's get into it. So, today we had a trade, the first Celtics trade under new president of basketball operations, uh, Brad Stevens, and he has traded. Uh, Kemba Walker, the 16th pick in the draft, and a 2025 second round pick to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second rounder. So, let me just say, this is a happy, happy day for the Boston Celtics. First, I, I, I want to do this. I want to give Kemba the respect that he deserves and that he's earned because the, it's very sad how all this has gone down and he deserves his respect. He was a great Celtic. He wore the jersey proudly and honorably. And he was just first class all the way. You can't even, even now, even now, after what happened, you can't say signing him was a bad move. And the reason why is because he he had been durable in his time with, with Charlotte. And just look at how stacked that 2020 Celtics team was. That team was championship caliber. People laugh and laugh at me when I say that, but I don't really care. That team was championship caliber. You had three three guys who could score 20 a game. You had Gordon Hayward, who was a, a, a do-it-all guy. You had Marcus Smart, who's an elite defensive player. You know, good enough role players in the in the in the front court, although that did end up being their undoing. But Tice was pretty good. Like that team was a championship caliber basketball team and and that's just that's just what it is people think i'm crazy but i really don't care that team was a championship caliber team and as a fan i will always remember kemba for being part of that i will also always remember kemba for his his positive attitude and his willingness to and, and frankly, his, I'll remember him for his excitement to joining, you know, a team like the Celtics, you know, that was, you know, making, you know, deep playoff runs. And, um, you know, obviously this season, you know, was, was marred by COVID and injury. But last season, you know, was, was what he expected, I think. And um, I know his excitement on being, you know, he was so happy to be part of a team like that. He never really got to do that at Charlotte. Um 
I uh, I'm very sorry that he never got to play in front of a full capacity Boston crowd. Um, obviously the full crowd was welcomed back in Game Four of of the first round this year, and he did not play in that game. He left out in Game Three, and I know one of the things he was probably excited about, you know, coming to the Celtics is playing in front of that you know raucous, crazy Boston crowd, and he's not going to get that opportunity. And I'm sorry about that for him. I'll also remember, you know, obviously, you know, the elephant in the room is who, who he was replacing, and he was such an upgrade. I don't care. I don't care what you say. He was an upgrade. The previous point guard, I'm not even going to mention his name because he doesn't deserve that. The point guard they had in 2018 and 2019 was a toxic piece of shit. He's a parasite in the locker room. He ruined the team in 2019 pretty much single-handedly. He's a liar. He's a he is a lying scumbag ego egomaniac and a piece of shit. So having a guy like Kemba to replace someone that bad and to help us, you know, give us, you know, a lovable elite point guard again for the first time since, you know, the IT era, you know, really was, was great. And I, I hope Kemba gets cheered when he returns to Boston. He deserves it. See, Boston will cheer you when you return if you don't act like a complete ass. A complete ass and a complete just toxic loser. Boston will cheer you. You will earn cheers. The, the guy we're going to talk about in a little bit, he got cheered when he returned. And Kemba should get cheered too. As long as you don't lie to us and act like a complete dickhead and an evil piece of shit, you will get cheered. We're fair. We're, we don't boo everybody just to boo everybody. So yeah, um, Kemba, you know, I, it's sad the way it ended, but I'll always appreciate him. And he was a great Celtic. And, you know, well, you, you never know what can happen down the line. It, his contract, he's got two more years on it. If he wants to come back when he's... It sounds like there there might be some issues between him and the team, which is sad if true. Um, but, I, you know, I would love to see him come back someday as a, as a sixth man, offense off the bench kind of guy when his contract... Um, when his contract expires. I wouldn't mind seeing that. So, you know, his departure is obviously one thing. So, yeah, I'm just getting into these guys kind of on a personal level first, and then I'll um, I'll get into the trade. So then we have the return of Al Horford. I am so excited for this. Just, again, just on... A, a, a you know rooting interest you know Al Al's just a player I've always had just a ton of respect for um 
I loved him on the team when he was in, you know, in Boston initially. Um, and I am, I'm so happy he's coming back. Um, number one, he, he's a guy who he wants to be in Boston. Um, I, I tweeted at his, his brother, Josh yesterday, and it was basically just like, Hey, um, I think he, I think he was tweeting something about, you know, they were, they were getting hate from Philly fans after, after the Sixers blown lead in game five. It's like, you can't, he's not on your team anymore. You can't scapegoat him anymore. Like we know he was a bad fit in Philly. We get it like that. that that's moved on. Um, so I kind of tweeted at him and I was like, Hey, um, Celtics fan here. I, uh, would really like to see, see Al back on the team. I think he'd give us a lot of, of what we're missing if there's a way to make that happen. And his brother, Josh liked my tweet. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty well documented. It was reported last month that Horford would love to return to Boston. Brian Robb from Mass Live had that. And um, then Steve Bullpett from the Herald had uh, a quote, you know, last year, I think. And basically saying, like, hey, if, uh, if, 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 if he, if he, basically Al was saying that if he knew the Kemba was signing, he would have more strongly considered the possibility of, of trying to stay. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's definitely something where, um, look, Al left. And, and, and the thing is that just shows that, you know, a big part of Al leaving was Kyrie and how toxic he was, and he just wanted to run away from that whole thing. Which I can't blame him for. I mean, I mean, hate, hating that guy is easy, and you, and and you should. If you're out there listening, you should. It, it it's the right way to be. Trust me. Um, you should jump on on the train with us on that. So you could just tell that that was a big part of it, and and just again, just. From, from from what I've seen from his you know his his family and and, and their interactions and stuff because Horford is, is is a you know quiet guy I think like I don't think he's gonna go shout a bunch of stuff on social media or whatever but um about it for sure but it's just like looking from his family's interactions like you can tell that you can tell how how they really feel about him you can tell so. You know, Al, look, look, he took the money from Philly. That was a dumb move from the Sixers. We all know that. He thought he was going to get to start on a championship contender. It ended up being a terrible fit. And he ended up, you know, it, it just screwed everything up. They underachieved. He wasn't good individually because of the bad fit. It just messed everything up. And, um... You know, so he he definitely I think regretted. It's pretty well documented. He regrets leaving. Um, can't blame someone for taking the money and wanting to run away from Kyrie, but you know, given how things played out, it's definitely a regret of his. So you know what, he he gets salary dumped to the Thunder. Has a pretty good year there, to be honest. A, you know, he's rejuvenated and gets some time off with all that rest and. Um, yeah, that was a pretty successful thing, and now he's coming back to Boston, and you know, just I he, he's again, you just look at players 
in the league who there's a lot of players who just do things the wrong way. I mean, heck, there's a whole roster down in Brooklyn that's full of them. I mean, you've got quitters, you've got liars, you've got soft bitches. Like, they're full of players who just do things the wrong way. However, in Horford, that is someone who has always done things the right way. He has always been all class. He has handled his business in just the right way. He has he plays the game of basketball the right way. He's unselfish. He makes plays for other teammates. He's he focuses on his defense. He's again, have I said again, he's unselfish. Like he is just you know, he's not a star player anymore by any means. He he's certainly a role player, but he he is a great role player. And um you know, having somebody like that just back on your team to root for just as a fan is fun. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of things we could have done here. But, you know, even if there were better trades, you know, in theory. And, and we'll get into the what the trade actually is going to mean on the court in, in a second. But just from the standpoint of, of like, like, trust me, even... Even if there were trades out, just the idea of Horford coming back, just because I am a fan of him, him coming back, I'm so excited about it. It's 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 going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really really excited about this day. Um, and I know he is too. I know he. I mean, right when like the thing was reported, he was all over social media being like, you know. Saying, you know, unfinished business, let's go seize, and, you know, retweeting his, his tweet from signing in 2016. That's another thing. Al, Al Horford's the first major free agent to ever sign in Boston. He is. And he signed at a time when we were very much on the come up. We hadn't gotten out of the first round of the playoffs yet. We had double max space. And he's a guy who saw the potential, saw what was here was impressed by, you know, the legacy of winning and wanted to be part of our rise and really legitimized us. And that's one thing about us as Celtics fans. When you love us, we will love you back. That's just the way it goes. And when you spit in our face, we will hate you all the way to hell. That's just the way it goes. And Horford is a very much a case of the former. And we are so happy he's... I am personally just happy he's back. Um, now, as far... I guess let's, let's move on and get into the... What the trade means on the basketball court. So, I think the Celtics won the trade. I, I Look, it's a good trade for OKC, too. Don't get me wrong. It works well for both teams. I think the Celtics won the trade, though, if you want my true opinion. Like, it, again, it will work for both teams. It will be a good, positive trade for both teams. And that's what you want when you make a trade. You know, it should be good for both teams, ideally. Um, 
So obviously o- Oklahoma City's end. It's like, look, you know they they have done they they have done this, and and, and I'll just say too, this trade was obvious from a mile away. You could see this from a mile away. That's why it's happening so early. That's why we're in the second round of the playoffs, and this trade's already happened. You rarely see trades this early, especially ones this significant. But this match was so obvious on all sides that I'm not surprised it's happening. I mean, I've been talking about this as a possibility for a while. I mean, you could see it. So... I guess from the Thunder standpoint, I'll, I'll just get into that really quick. Like, look, they um, they take on an extra nine million this year, going from from Horford to Kemba, and they take on about twenty million guaranteed. Actually, over twenty million guaranteed the next year, but you know they get a first round pick out of it, number sixteen overall, which in this draft that's pretty good. And especially for them, it's like if they um. If they get the lottery luck and, you know, and get that Rockets pick at number five and have their own pick number five, and then then in that scenario, it would be, this would be really valuable for them because it would be a chance, it would be like their one chance to tap the mid, you know, first round of the draft, right? So, I mean, either way, this is going to be, you know, a pretty valuable pick for, uh, for the Thunder to have. Um, but they take on a lot of money to do it. Um, you know, $30 million extra is, is, is not nothing. And um, which tells me that, and this is probably true, by the way, it tells me they think they can rejuvenate Kemp a little bit, which I'm sure they can. I'm sure they're going to have him on a pretty strict load management program. Um, he's going to be a mentor to Gilgis Alexander, Maladone, you know, all their other guards. You know, who knows, maybe Kate Cunningham or, or Jalen Suggs or whoever they get in the lottery, like, um, you know, Lou Dort, you know, they've got, you know, he'll be a mentor to their young players. And, you know, they're probably going to flip him, be able to flip him again if, if they can make him look good. I mean, I've already seen Chris Mannix on Twitter said this. Apparently, execs are already saying, you know, maybe half-jokingly, maybe not. They're, they're basically saying, like... <laughs> Watch in a year, we're going to see, you know, Kemba Walker for uh, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and a pick. You know, we'll, we'll just see something similar. And then the Thunder will, will rehab Porzingis, and then it'll just go on and on and on. So, yeah, I mean, for, for Oklahoma City, it's, you know, it's just one of those moves you add drafts. Like, however, here's the problem for the Thunder. And as the word goes on, I, look, and, and maybe Moses Brown was more attractive as a trade asset for them than, than anything else. Maybe they'd rather have the draft pick. I can see why they would rather have the draft pick. But um, losing him is not nothing. I mean, I remember when, when he played the Celtics last year, he destroyed the Celtics. He had like 20 and 20. He's a guy who, 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 who you know, he in limited minutes, he showed some pretty interesting potential as a rebounder and an inside presence, and a red protector. So, you get the 16th pick, which is good, but you do lose him, and that's, you know, fairly significant. And he's on, you know, the the, the hinky special, the three-year cheap contract. So, you have to keep that in mind as well. 
Um, but the Celtics end, you know, is just spectacular. I think we all know, you know, what the, the financial pressures were. Um, it was not, a. it was not good. Obviously Tatum's, you know, contract kicking in the, the all NBA thing helps. Adding an extra five million there would have hurt, would have hurt even more. But as is, they are right around the tax line, and it's just this is uh this is going to be good. It's going to save them nine million dollars. You bring back a guy who who fits more. I mean, the Celtics on their team last year they did not have enough, and, and look. They would have been a lot better if they had just had average health and COVID luck. They would have been at least the four seed, at minimum. And if they're the fourth, if they're the four seed and Jalen's healthy, based on what I'm seeing from the 76ers right now, they'd be in the conference finals, and with players dropping like flies around the league, they'd have as you know who knows, I mean who knows. So, is not like this thing was doomed but if you're looking at things constructively you can always get better and things some things the celtics did not have enough of and and they you can always use more of around scores like Jalen brown and jason tatum are you know you want good passers you know you want a, a five who can space you know they did not have enough playmaking on their team last year they did not have a floor spacing five. Tice took threes, in you know before he got traded. But every time he took a three, even if it was wide open, I was just like, I don't think this is going in. There's just something about it that like, I'm sure his percentages are better than what I would expect. But you know, it just it was never confident in him as a stretch guy, and he was the best they had. You know. They missed being, you know, obviously Cornette when they got him, but Cornette wasn't good enough. And Tristan Thompson stopped shooting threes for some reason. And, you know, Aaron Baines is another guy, another low-key underrated guy that I kind of miss because he was such a great interior defender and he could shoot threes. I know he didn't have a good year last year, but... And the Celtics center rotation is probably full now. We'll get into that. But Baines is another guy. I kind of miss. But yeah, so they, they did not have... um, They did not have that stretch five last year. They have that now. And just, you know, playmaking. Well, I already said playmaking. And, and just defense. Man, I want to build... And I'm hoping... And I'm thinking the Celtics do, do build. I want to build a really good defensive team. Because screw just playing offense. That's just lame. That's just such a bitch way to play. You want to be good on both ends of the court. Champions are won on both ends of the court. They're won by being an elite defense and an elite offense. And the Celtics have a chance, you know, at both of those. Now, So Horford, you know, Horford is going to fill a lot of things they need. This also says to me 
there are a couple other aftershocks to this. Number one, there's no way Tristan Thompson's back on the scene next year. You have Al Horford at center. You have Robert Williams as a center. You have Moses Brown now coming into the center. And that's a thing. Moses Brown... So you're essentially you're you're doing the Kemba for Horford swap. You know that that that's a swap as part of this. I like the Horford end better. Then you have the 16th pick Moses Brown swap, which I don't think is bad. I really don't. Like I really don't think that's that bad. Right? So you have, you know, you have this guy coming in, Moses Brown. He's 7-2, showing pretty good promises of rim protector and a rebounder. I mean, it's like, given what his production was last year, you'd be pretty happy if your first round pick did that, right? Like, and he's on a cheap contract. He's on a better contract than the first round pick would probably get. So it's like I look at I look at him and like if that's my draft pick, I'm okay with that. And and by moving this year's pick instead of a future pick, the Celtics retain the ability to trade all of their future first round picks after the draft. Which is important to me. You know, this team didn't really need you know, they've already got a, a lot of young players, right? So where I'm concerned about draft picks is their ability to be traded. And obviously I don't want to trade like unprotected picks down the line because then like what if Brown and Tatum leave and, and then you have no fallback plan and then it's a disaster. Like I don't want to be that team. Unless it's for like a true superstar that would guarantee that Brown and Tatum stay. Which I think they're going to stay anyway, but like... So... That is all a win. Um, a second round pick swap I don't really care about. but um, So the after the after effects of this trade of this. Tristan Thompson is going to get traded for something. We don't know what. His $9 million salary will be gone. My guess is they'll probably, in some sort of either two-way or three-way swap, try to bring some sort of a perimeter player back to help replace Kemba. I think smart starting at point guard is viable. Um, he's he he's a really good um you know he, he he's a good role player offensively you know he he can make plays for the guys I think he was their leading assist guy last year right so he can do that and, and it's like look you can build if the ball's going to be in the hands of Brown and Tatum you know a lot and you've got playmaking in other positions too it can work they've got enough and. When you look at at the idea of smart at the one, the thing it will, you know, give you is you can build an elite defense off of that. You can build just an elite defense off of that plan. So that's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, idea. Um, just as far as guys they could bring in, one guy that makes a lot of sense to me is Kyle Anderson. Um, Kyle Anderson, he's a wing. He he's a good playmaker. Um, 
just I like his game. I think he'd be a really good fit, you know, in that starting lineup. If, if you're moving smart to the one, and then if you want, you know, three wings and maybe either Horford or Robert Williams, it'll be interesting to see who starts there. I'm guessing Horford starts just because he's at the vet and they want to be cautious with Robert Williams' health because when Robert Williams played starter minutes, he he's had injury problems. So I get, I'm going to guess Horford starts and Robert Williams plays behind him. Man, that's going to be a great center rotation. I'm so excited for that. Um, but... So, Anderson, you know, you, you throw him in, you get more wing size in there. He's another playmaker. I really like that idea. And and on Memphis's end, it's like they've got a lot of young wings that, that they could use stand to give minutes to. Um... They lose his salary and don't replace it, and they waive. They, they don't pick up Justice Windows option. They really can create meaningful cap space. Not that there's a lot of great you know, free agents to sign, but they could do some things with that space. So, and then you could move Thompson. Probably not there, but maybe to a third team. You know, maybe maybe you move him to Charlotte. You know. There, there, there's, you know, there'll be an option somewhere for him, I would think. So, that, that, that's my, that's kind of my idea. I would like to see that kind of a move. And then, you know, the other thing I think this does, well, so, and, and then another name that would be interesting, if we are willing to move, maybe move smart, in the deal again, either two way or three way, however it would work, and get Malcolm Brogdon back. If you're looking for more of like a traditional point guard than smart, that might be a good fit with Brian Tatum. Um, you know, he makes a little bit more, so you probably, you know, smart and Thompson would need to go out on this deal, but that's the sort of thing that you could, you could possibly look into and then. The other thing this does is my guess is that, uh, so yeah, I mean, the center rotation is going to be full. Luke Cornett probably won't be back either. Um, center rotation is, is pretty much set for next year. Now it's a good one. It's a really good one. It's a good start to the offseason by, by solidifying that. I, I think this is probably a good indication also that Evan Fournier is going to come back. Um, you know, I would hope he's coming back. That They didn't trade for him with the idea of him being a rental, but he should be back on this team. Um, and I like him. Um, he's a he, he's a good player. I'm ha- I'm happy he's coming back. I think the one thing you can question about the trade though now, of getting him in the first place, is if they had not done that Fournier trade, they could have structured today's trade in a way where Horford slotted into the Hayward trade exception, and then they actually create a new trade exception for Kemba that would have been thirty six million. It would have lasted a whole another year. So that would have given them so much flexibility um, to absorb a big, big salary via trade. So that is kind of a missed opportunity. Um, it's unfortunate they won't have that chance, but what are you going to do? They made the Fournier trade. It's too late. New new president of basketball operations doing his own thing. So I don't know. Um, I do like Fournier as a player, though, and they've got his bird right, so I hope he comes back. Um Probably as a sixth man, though. I think he'd be an ideal fit as a sixth man. I don't know about him starting. Um, 
And then ideally, obviously, the long term, you know, you might hope that, that guys like Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith can grow into into some of that too. But um, that would be that would be kind of the play. And then, uh, yeah, it, it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited about next season. I really am. Um, I, I look at this team and I look at what's going on in the playoffs now with uh, the the Nets injury prone players, um, you know, showing that and and they're only going to be a year older. And then you have um, and potentially a short, you know, already a short off season too. You know, even if they lose, you know, it's a short off season for them. And then you have the Bucks and the Sixers choking all over themselves in their game fives. Um, even though I think both are going to win their series, and we'll get into that briefly at the end here. Um, they're not unbeatable for a team with Jason Tatum on it. Like, I think the Celtics are going to be really good. They're at least going to make the conference finals again. I don't know. You know, we'll see if they go farther, but I'm going to say they at least make the conference finals again. And by the way, Tatum's going to be a stealth MVP candidate. Depending on what his odds are, I may try to get some odds on that because as I think he's going to have a monster year. I really I really think he's going to have a monster year. Um, Jalen too, but Tatum even more so. Um, so don't do not sleep on Jason Tatum for MVP next year. Um, so yeah, just just real quick here at the end on on the playoff series. Uh, obviously, we had. Um, Milwaukee come back and win last night. Very exciting to watch. Very exciting to see them kind of get it together here. Um, so I, uh, you know, I'm one for six. I predicted in my podcast yesterday that the three game five winners would all lose their series in seven. Obviously, a bold prediction, but so far we're one for uh, six on on those games going that way and. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Look, it's just at the end of the day, you look at everything the Nets needed, you know, got to just barely come back and win game five. Like the Bucks are the better team right now and they have everything lined up for them. The only question with the Bucks is, will they actually take advantage of it? And yesterday they did. Giannis was, you know, he didn't, you know, his shot selection was a lot better. Chris Middleton had a very big game. Um, They, uh, you know, even though Harden was a little, a little bit better, a little bit better, not a ton better, but a little better. And, you know, Durant didn't have, you know, as good of a game. And you look at what happened. They won big. Now look, I know it's not gonna it's gonna be a road game for Milwaukee. I know what's happened for them on the road here, but I just look at it and I just think Milwaukee has all the advantages. You know, in, unless something you know shocking happens from a health like, like they're gonna need Brooklyn gonna need another role player to go off again, which could happen, but they'll need a role player to go off. They'll need Durant to have, you know, do, you know, have another game five. And, um, 
and they'll need Harden to be a lot better, I think. If all those things fall into place, it could be tough for Milwaukee, but I don't think all those things are going to fall into place. I think Milwaukee's going to win. I think they know what they need to do now. They've got that end-of-season desperation. Obviously, they had it in Game 6. Now both teams will have it, but like I think they just know what they need to do, and I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're going to screw it up. I think they're going to go in there and win. Um, which will be great to see. Like I said, it'll be a great thing for basketball, for just the sport, if the Nets lose. It will. And I've explained why many times, so I'm not going to do it again. But it'll just be a victory for the, for the entire sport. So thank you for listening to the Clown Chat Podcast. Exciting day, exciting trade, and we'll have more off-season coverage um, as we move forward here. Thank you.